In the 1920s, the country of Italy came under the control of a dictator who led a shiny, brand new form of government that eliminated civil liberties and used harsh violence to suppress any and all opposition. And you know what? The people of Italy and the leaders of the free world absolutely loved him for it. Over the following 20 years, he would make Italy a key piece of the European power structure before it would all come crumbling down during World War II. In this episode of HPH, we're talking about his dramatic rise and fall and how his world got flip-turned upside down. And that's a joke you'll get in about an hour. So go ahead and grab a drink, settle in, and enjoy this episode of Hunter Proof History titled Benito Mussolini Flip Flop Fascist. This is Hundred Proof History. We're drinking whiskey and talking history. So grab a drink, sit back, relax, and enjoy a few laughs as the guys talk about all the horrible things people do to each other. Here are your hosts. Chris and Greg. Welcome in, everyone. Today, talking about Il Duce, the one, the only, Benito Mussolini. Mm. I love some Mussolini with like a white wine sauce. Put on some bread. Some capers. Yeah. While performing some capers. Hey, there you, you go. Having a little, you having a little bunch of pale as you're, you know, <laughs> about to rob the bank. Yeah, about to beat up some socialists. I'm like, oh, just spread that on some garlic bread right there. Oh, it's so good. Now kick his ass. Oh, yeah. Kick his fucking ass. Yeah. Oh, you believe differently. <laughs> I'm gonna pound you into submission. <laughs> Chris, how you doing today? I'm doing great, man. How are you, sir? I'm okay. Yeah. <laughs> Just, uh, I need a break, man. I need a fucking break. Well, we are going to take a little bit of a break here after what? this episode. Yeah. For all of you regular listeners, this is April 7th. We'll be back with full regular episodes on May 5th, the old Cinco de Mayo, if you will. But until then, there'll be some like little surprises, a little bit of things we'll give you guys to keep you going, just keep you edging. You're just right there, just on the precipice. And then we'll release a full episode, and you'll just instantly not be in the mood anymore. <laughs> like, oh. That wasn't worth that he at all. He took his clothes off. Oh. Is that a fourth nipple? And none of them are, like, you know, parallel to each other? It's, it's very asymmetrical strange. Asymmetrical <laughs> fourth nipple? Yeah. <laughs> well, good. You know, that I feel refreshed already. Good. You know, all, all these people got a spring break. Greg didn't get a spring break. No. Greg was slaving away at this podcast. We frame it as a break, but really, Greg's going back into contract negotiations, so hopefully he comes back on May 5th. Greg needs daddy time. (laughs) And I don't have any kids, so take that for what you will, listener. (laughs) But that is a concern for the future, and this is a concern for the present. And that's, like Greg said, we're talking about Mussolini. And for this week, our main source was Mussolini, a biography by Jasper Ridley. You don't see a lot of Jaspers anymore, so you can kind of tell this was an older book, you know? I'm going to name my first daughter Jasper. Just in honor of Jasper Ridley. And my first son, Ridley Scott. <laughs> in honor of Jasper Ridley. <laughs> 
not in honor of the director, Ridley Scott. Who's that? <laughs> you know, Aliens, Gladiator. No, 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 no. This is J- Jasper Ridley, you know, just yeah. like my daughter, I'd name her Jasper, son Ridley. Uh, Scott is just the middle name of this hot bully that used to pick on me in high school. <laughs> Old John Scott Bayo picking on Greg. He's so masculine. It intimidated <laughs> me. Uh, but it, it is a it's a good book. There's not a lot of books on Mussolini, and a lot of times we have this standard of oh God, there's not a lot of sources on someone. It might not be the most interesting story, but Mussolini, it's a good story. It's a good book. Recommend it. That's all I have to say about that. Well, okay, Forrest. Are you uh, <laughs> are you ready to get into the story? Oh, you know I am. I'm just going to sit down on the park bench next to you, make you very uncomfortable as I just start talking randomly to you as a person. You just put the earbuds in, like, okay, okay, he's still talking. He's still telling the story, but... Uh... <laughs> Pretend to have a phone call. <laughs> yeah. Then at that point, it's like, am I the weird one? Yeah. Am I being anti So This guy's like pouring his I'm heart. talking to s- nobody. <laughs> yeah. He's like telling about the love of his life, and I'm just being a dick right now. It, it really sounds like an interesting story, but I, I don't know because I've ignored half of it. <laughs> Having a fake phone call, a fake work call. I don't even have a job. Should I even like nod at this point? Like. Yeah, that's yeah. You're right. True. Good. Cool. Yeah. Uh, I just pretend like I'm <laughs> deaf. Like start signing at him. <laughs> well, anyway, here's the story. <laughs> well, I'm I'm sorry that Chris just was an ableist on our show. It's not something that I promote. Our producer Wolf Dick certainly does not promote that. We apologize on behalf of him. Um, he will be reprimanded. Uh, he will have the next couple of weeks off. God so damn it! Unpaid. With- Unpaid? This bullshit. Well, sorry, man. All right. Don't be an ableist. I'm going to do my half of this story, but I'm it's begrudgingly. I'm just going to tell you right now. Okay. Let's have it. Our story begins in 1870 with a young man named Alessandro Mussolini. Alessandro was a blacksmith who had fell head over heels in love with socialism, and he preached it to anyone who would listen. He was also involved in a hilariously failed communist uprising in 1874 that led to him being put on a government watch list for five years. It was during that time period that he met and fell in love with a young school teacher named Rosa Maltoni. They got married, prayed to the magic Italian stork, and on July 29, 1883, that stork dropped off a big-headed baby boy named Benito Amacare Andrea Mussolini. Il Duce. Il Duce, which is Italian for, hey, I have a giant fucking head. That's the only thing I took away from the story, by the way. Big fucking manly jaw. The bottom of that sack of potatoes head that he had. You have a strong jaw. Yeah. We'll give him that. But nothing else. (laughs) Nothing. (laughs) Give him nothing else. Like many historical figures, Mussolini was just some poor kid whose childhood wasn't well documented, and so stories about it would only come out later, and their tone depended heavily on the person telling the story. 
his supporters would claim that Benito was, you know, just the quietest child. He just loved to put on his fuzzy socks, make a nice cup of tea, and cuddle up, you know, on the couch. Enjoy a good book as the storms raged outside. Maybe a little Harlequin romance novel. Shirtless Fabio on the cover. Just glistening there. Questioning everything about who he is as a man, you know? Oh, can't believe it's not butter. Yeah. Oh. 30-year-old commercials. That's what you just referenced. I mean, it got me going. What do you want? <laughs> what do you need? You know? Pulled things out of the recesses of my brain. Yeah. You pulled things from your own cozy socks phase of life. Is it storming? You're like, oh, butter. Oh, ooh. What's he using that butter for? Is he smeared it on himself, making himself glisten? Or... I don't know, maybe using it for something else. Anyway. Toast? Yeah, I don't know. To- toast. <laughs> well, Mussolini's detractors say that that sweet, innocent boy spent his free time gouging out the eyes of live chickens. Ooh. And I say, why can't you do both? Why can't you put on your cozy socks and get on the couch and just, you know, mutilate some living animals? What's, what's wrong with that? That makes you psychotic. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> you have to separate the two. Oh, do you? It, it has yes. to be. Okay. You should know that. I should. It, it explains a lot about my childhood, but that's fine. I mean, I was often on the couch in my fuzzy socks choking the chicken, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Masturbation <laughs> joke. <laughs> Hell yeah. Edgy podcast. Let's go. (laughs) Not even pretending to do the PG jokes this week. Oh, X-rated. Masturbation euphemisms. Woo! (laughs) (laughs) Is it still a euphemism if you just point out that it's a euphemism? It's a mephemism. Okay, I got nothing to add to that. I'm sorry. <laughs> then continue the story, sir. <laughs> okay. Well, both sides agreed that at school, Mussolini was kind of a shithead. He picked on girls and forced them to kiss him to prove that he was straight to the other boys. He hurled rocks at his classmates, and he was constantly in fights, most of which he lost because he was smaller than the other boys. When he was 11 and attending a super strict boarding school, he was losing yet another fight when he found a secret weapon. Stabbing people with a fucking knife. It's very clever. No one's thought of that. That is a secret weapon. So smart. God damn. Oh, my only weakness. (laughs) Being stabbed (laughs) to death. Murder weapons. (laughs) As punishment for this attempted murder, he had to spend the night in a cold courtyard surrounded by guard dogs and then he was expelled from school. After the cold night. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, he had to go through that traumatic experience, and then like, all right, now get the fuck out and never come back. Yeah, like, oh, well, you know, the chancellor's not going to be here till tomorrow, so it's up to me, random groundskeeper, to come up with something. He's like, oh, I don't know, sleep with the fucking dogs. <laughs> <laughs> and from that would come uh, a lifelong fear of dogs, allegedly, that uh, Mussolini was not a dog person. It tells you something about him. Even Hitler liked dogs. Well, Mussolini soon became very interested in sex and would frequently catcall the pretty women he saw on the street. 
Hey, Julia Roberts, come over here. <laughs> Make yourself comfortable. Bring your big teeth over here. Hey! <laughs> I'm not like that Richard Gere. I don't even put gerbils in my asshole. <laughs> I'm not going to pay you for this. Uh. It did take me a second to connect pretty women to Julia Roberts. I just thought you picked somebody. I'm like, okay, yeah, let's go with it. Mm, no, no. <laughs> I won't even get the handsy like the Jason Alexander character. <laughs> he was in something besides Seinfeld. Did you know that? I didn't know that. Nobody knows that. <laughs> well, speaking of pretty women, Mussolini also soon learned about the magical world of whorehouses. And he became a frequent visitor at the sweet clean age of 16. And for our non-historians, um, whorehouses are basically what they referred to as, like like our modern-day truck stops. Those were called <laughs> whorehouses back in the day. So, just for context. He continued his studies and was only suspended once more, this time for being shitty towards a teacher, which apparently carried the same exact punishment as trying to murder someone. When he was 18, he graduated and moved to the town of Gualtieri, near Parma, where he became an elementary teacher. You think you just go to like a random little food truck in Parma, and you're like, uh, oh shit, what do I, uh, yeah, I'll have the Jean chicken, <laughs> you know, because you're already in Parma. Yeah. I'm sorry, that's the worst joke ever <laughs> I love it. Parmesan, Parmesan. <laughs> God damn it. Thank you for making me a part of that. I apologize. Wolf Dick Boo this man. Fine, fine. It was in the town of Gualtieri that he really dove into his hobbies. He learned how to play the violin, which became his favorite way to relax. He began to give passionate speeches in favor of socialism and spoke of an upcoming socialist revolution. He also had a torrid love affair with the wife of a soldier who was away serving his country. Fucking Jody. <laughs> was that from? This is what they call uh, the dudes back home that are banging all the the military wives mm, when they're they got, deployed. They got their Dear John letters. Yep. That's right. Oh. Fucking Jody. Jody's. Shortly thereafter, Mussolini decided to move to Switzerland because he was determined to meet the leaders of large socialist and anarchist parties that were there. Also, he was about to be called up for his mandatory military service, and he wanted no part of that shit. But mostly, you know, the, the I want to meet my heroes thing. I, you know, I want to be a part of the revolution. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm not scared to go fight in war. <laughs> I'll fight in fucking war. I just, you know, can I do it next weekend, not this weekend? Fuck. Yeah, they asked me to be in special forces. I was like, nah, I'm too cool for that shit. You know, I ain't got time. I, you know, I, 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 I fucking hate the test, though. Yeah. I got an ankle injury right at the end. Fuck. I, was, <laughs> I was actually supposed to be the guy that killed Bin Laden. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> fucking ankle. Yeah. That's what it gets you, man. Just the small joints. That's what it gets you. Once that shit gets inflamed, you know, I don't care how tough you are, because I'm a tough son of a bitch. There wasn't nothing bringing that down. My doctor said, like, a normal man would have been, like, needing, like, 
eight months of recuperation from that shit, and I just needed a little ace bandage. I, I was I was right back in it. But you know, by that time, I missed the cutoff for special forces, and and you know, they were like, well, "You need a job." So here I am, you know, handing out spaghetti in the in the commissary, you know. <laughs> In 1902, Mussolini made his way to Switzerland. Over the following two years, he lived the hobo life, bouncing from job to job and quitting any time his boss gave him guff. He's a big subscriber to anti-work. Like as soon as his boss said, hey, I need you to come out on Saturday because you've done a really shitty job this week. Fuck you! I hate you! How dare you suppress my rights? Mm-hmm. I'm going to post half this story on the internet and everybody's going to love me for it. I'm going to get so much karma. I'm not getting a paycheck this week, but that's fine. Karma. (laughs) It's really cool. Yes. He slept under bridges and was arrested for vagrancy, but his favorite trick was to save enough money to go to a bar, buy a single drink, and then sleep in the booth all night. It's a genius move. I don't know how they don't just like, there's guys sleeping. And we're closing, so... Time to go, buddy. I'm still feeling on my drink. You can't kick me out. It's law. He probably hid, like, under the booth. (laughs) When you're a kid in the department store and you hide, like, in the middle of the dresses. (laughs) Sir, I can see... I can see your feet. You can't see me. I I can't see you. You can't see me. My eyes are closed. My eyes are closed. Unrelated, or sort of related, but not for the show. We went to New York, and uh, it was cold outside, but the Staten Island Ferry runs back and forth all fucking day for free. Mm -hmm. And I was wondering, like, man, why don't a homeless dude just hop on this fucking thing and panhandle and just sleep on the benches or whatever all fucking day? Because it's just back and forth, and you go home. Or, (laughs) you go home, said the homeless guy, but no. You go home less. (laughs) Yeah, but... I came up with a plan. I can live in New York now. I can be like, oh, yeah, I'll just go over here and beg for money all day. You obviously didn't notice the clandestine hobo murder squads. (laughs) You think you're the first? Everybody thinks you're the first guy to come up with a million-dollar idea, or in this case, a $50 (laughs) idea. Enough to buy a steel reserve idea. Yeah, enough to buy a Colt 45 idea. But it only worked for a day or two. And then you get hobo murdered. Yeah. Mussolini continued to attend socialist rallies and became more and more well-known. He was often asked to give speeches and even debated a leading socialist on the existence of God, with Mussolini taking the ain't no God but my dick side of the argument. Eventually, the Italians decided to convict him of desertion, but just a few months later, they granted amnesty to all their deserters and said they could come home if they agreed to serve in the military. Mussolini, who had gotten word that his mother was sick, decided to take them up on the offer. He went back to Italy and served two years in the army. During that time, his mother died, but other than that, it was mostly uneventful. Like, oh yeah, my mom's dead, but I guess other than that, you know, everything's great. (laughs) Well, you know. In the grand scheme of things, it's pretty uneventful. Yeah. This story isn't being told from Mussolini's perspective. It's not, yeah, he he would, he'd, he'd understand if he was listening. Right, Okay, yeah, we're, we're telling a big, big story, like my mom's death, kind of like a 
little hiccup in the road, you know? Footnote-ass mom. <laughs> I don't even remember her name. Said it in the first point. Don't remember it now. In 1908, 25-year-old Benito fell madly in love with a 16-year-old domestic servant in the town of Forley named Rachel Guidi. And I'm sure that's Raquela, or however you say that in Italian. But uh, in America, that's Rochelle. Is it not Rochelle? I don't know. It may be like Raquel, like the hot chick from the 60s and 70s. Kel Welsh? Yeah, that that one. Yeah. She was still hot in the Grumpier Old Men movie, by the way. Yeah? Still would. Oh, yeah. They were soon involved in a super serious relationship. Her boss tried to talk her out of hooking up with a socialist, especially after Mussolini did 12 days of hard time and gin pop for threatening to assault a factory owner. But she was strong-willed, and she was deeply in love. And if there is one thing 16-year-old girls know, that's lifelong love, you know? They know their soulmate immediately. I like that the boss tried to talk her out of it, like... you know, you sure you want to get with that Chad? Like, <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm triple prestige in Call of Duty. I mean, <laughs> you know, if you're looking for accolades, I've got plenty of them. You come over to my house, I got all three samurai swords mounted over my mantle. Look at that. You got the short <laughs> one, the medium, and the long one. Well, little known fact, Mussolini also generously allowed Rochelle's mother, Anna, to move into their home. His detractors would later claim that Anna had been the secret lover of Alessandro Mussolini, his father, Rochelle was Benito's half-sister, and their love affair was incestuous. There's pretty much nothing to support that, but, hmm, man, it's kind of hard to think about, you know? I know it's not true, but could you imagine if it was? He probably thought about it at least once. Yeah. I've thought about it more than once. <laughs> and I'm not even Benito Mussolini. <laughs> or am I? <laughs> I love that. Your your wife's on top of you and you're about to finish like, pretend she's Mussolini's sister and I'm Mussolini. Okay, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> Here are the spicy meatballs. Alfredo sauce everywhere! Oh, <laughs> oh I got it in my own Italian mustache. Oh. <laughs> it's Italian because I put crushed red pepper in it every morning. <laughs> okay, I was wondering. Yeah. Well, just like Rochelle, Mussolini was also deeply in love, but he decided the Austrian-controlled region of Trent, at the far northern edge of Italy, needed socialism. And he was just the man to give it to them. He moved up there and created socialist newspapers and caused enough trouble to earn a seven-day prison sentence, you know, just for being himself. He also took on two mistresses and didn't bother to write a single letter to Rochelle. But again, deeply in love. He loves her so much. But, you know, man's got needs. Agree with me, Greg, whose wife listens to this podcast. Yes, man needs. Yes, I need men. 
But apparently, he was actually still madly in love with Rochelle. He soon returned back to Forley and decided it was time that they started living together. When her parents refused, Mussolini took out a revolver and threatened to kill Rochelle and himself if they didn't allow her to move in. Not only did they agree, apparently, you know, threaten to kill yourself and your bride-to-be was a good old-fashioned way of peeling panties because Rochelle was soon pregnant and gave birth to their daughter in September of 1910. I know, that's, that's how I convinced my parents that I was doing the right thing. Like, yeah, you guys may be against this, but I don't care. If you don't approve of this love, I'm going to kill myself, and I'm going to kill Mr. Bill Nye. And they approved of it. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Around that same time, Mussolini had begun to develop his own ideas about socialism. Now, you guys, you guys know socialism. Everybody should be equal. We should all get our fair share. You know, the workers control everything. No, 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 no. It's whatever I don't like. (laughs) Duh. Okay, fair enough. Well, Mussolini thought, yeah, those are some good ideas, but uh, he also decided the unwashed proletarian masses would never get their revolution unless they were led by a strong-arm elite. And that elite would come from what he called the Gerarchia, or hierarchy in English, who would not be elected, but would instead rise to power because they were born leaders. You know, kind of like socialism, except one of us is way better than the rest, you fucking idiots, and I'm going to tell you what you need. Yes. Yes. You know, like, it's like a king or something. I don't know, no, king's the wrong term, but you know. Well, you know, Nazis were socialist. It's right (laughs) there in the name, Chris. It's right there in the name. National Socialist. Uh, uh, I had this discussion the day before yesterday with somebody. Not so triggered right now. (laughs) Oh, yeah, like the People's Democratic Republic of North Korea. Yeah, lots of elections happen there, right? (laughs) But over the following few years... Mussolini ignored his own wacky ideas and instead became more and more respected as a socialist. When Italy invaded Libya, Mussolini protested and then, you know, know, natural progression from protesting. You're like, okay, what can we do? Take it up a notch. Um, He plotted to blow up the railways, taking soldiers to the coast. Just want to kill a few hundred soldiers. I've... I think that's rational. Hmm. You just gotta get their attention on somehow. Somehow. Let them know that this war is unjust by murdering the shit out of a thousand soldiers. Yeah. Well, he was arrested and sentenced to five months in prison. You know, just for the minor offense of threatening to blow up a bunch of soldiers. I love Italian justice through this story. I feel like you can do anything in Italy at this point. You ever been there? I have not been to Italy. Well, they eat lunch at like two. Uh-huh. They're fucking, and this is just my personal experience, they're fucking like half drunk by the end of lunch. God, this sounds so good. 
<laughs> and then just go about their day. I'm like, what the fuck is going on here? <laughs> How's this country like surviving? It barely it, does. Because, you, know, you know, the top 1% isn't pilfering the entire nation. <clears throat> Continue. <laughs> Well, even after his arrest, Mussolini was so well-respected within the Socialist Party that he was placed in charge of the leading socialist newspaper, Avanti. But all of that changed in 1914, when some Austrian dude named Franz Ferdinand got blown straight to damn hell, and World War I kicked off. We got an episode on that. World War I. It's, it's a crazy thing. Maybe somebody should have talked about that for an entire fucking year. Done several episodes on the progression of that. Well, I don't know. That, that seems like a big topic that maybe somebody should have covered. Several seems like an understatement. Quite a bit. Yep. Quite a bit. Give us money. Give us money. Give us money. Well, socialists across Europe, including Mussolini, protested the war. But the public was overwhelmingly in favor of intervening. Soon, Mussolini had started his own paper, Il Popolo d'Italia, which I have had at Olive Garden. It's pretty okay. You know, it got three different pastas in it. You know, different sauces and stuff. It's it's pretty all right. Great joke, Chris. Great joke. Yeah. The, sorry, come on, man. <laughs> Doing the best I can here. <laughs> Cover an Italian person. Italian food jokes are just too obvious. Let's do the accent again. Let's do the accent. Let's bring it back. <laughs> <laughs> well, in that newspaper, he began to call for Italy to join the war alongside England and France. It turns out Mussolini's strong beliefs were only as strong as public sentiment. And that becomes kind of a running theme with Mussolini. I'm just... Uh, maybe we called the episode Flip Flop Fascist for a reason. I don't know. No, it was Random Word Generator. Oh, yeah. It was. Yeah, that's true. It was. <laughs> <laughs> I, I immediately like went from the text and just straight looked at you. <laughs> like a predator that sensed a weakness. <laughs> yeah. There's the gazelle that's limping. Yeah, like when the lion's just kind of like... Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> It sees the, the fucking young one fall behind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Italian socialists kicked him out of the party, but it didn't really matter because he had secret money coming in from England and France to support his newspaper. And he and his buddies started a new political party known as the Fascists after an old Roman term for an unbreakable bundle of sticks. I thought that was... Nope. <laughs> That's the English uh... term. That's what you're thinking of. The word we all looked up in the dictionary when we were 10. <laughs> oh. It's in there. It's in there, guys. Oh. <laughs> Look, it says Steve's name. Steve looks at it. He's like, God knows not what it says. God. And then Steve rejects me for prom and then goes whole thing. It's fine. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> well, for most of his life, Mussolini was more of a talker and less of a doer. But in 1915, he joined up with the Italian army and went to fight the Austrians near the Isonzo River. Never heard of it. It's like a tip of the tongue thing. Like, where have I heard about that? Where? Oh, I don't know. It's, it's, 
some history podcast has talked about that river and like talked about it for like an hour and a half. I, I don't know. Give us money. Give <laughs> us money. Give us money. While he was there, he was promoted a couple of times and served admirably. He also received a letter from one of his mistresses, Ida Dalzer, telling him that she had given birth to his bouncing, handsome, big-headed boy, Benito Jr. Runder. Yeah. Absolutely Runder. <laughs> yeah. It's like someone actually giving birth to Stewie from Family Guy with that fucking giant head. <laughs> uh. <laughs> In response, Mussolini rushed back to Rochelle and married her to try and avoid child support payments to Ida, but she won the payments anyway. And she still went to Rochelle's house to make a scene about how Benito was her man. You know, which reminds me of that very tense scene from Goodfellas, where the wife goes to the mistress's house, and she's like ringing all the buzzers. I want you to know you have a whore in 4G. Like she won't answer the door, so he's just calling all the <laughs> neighbors. Oh, man. Don't fuck around with women. Fuck around with dudes who have to keep that secret from their wives. Pro tip. Unapproved history. During the Sixth Battle of the Asanzo, wait, six bat that's a lot of battles. Surely that was the last one. I, I'm, I'm sure that was the only time they extended that series of battles. Give us money. Give us money. Give us money. Well, during that sixth battle in 1917, Mussolini and his men were testing out some artillery when Mussolini warned the lieutenant that the gun was getting overheated. The lieutenant decided to fire off one last round, which of course caused the gun to explode. Two men were killed, and Mussolini suffered several shrapnel wounds and a broken leg. His time in the army was officially over. After the war, Italy gained basically nothing in the way of territory, so the socialists felt uh, somewhat vindicated in saying that 600,000 troops had died for nothing. Politically speaking, they grew in numbers and strength, but on the streets, things, they were a-changing. Well, it turns out the socialists who were anti-war and said kind of like, we didn't do anything, wasn't worth our fucking effort, they're way of showing that, their way of, hey, we were right, was to beat the shit out of ex-soldiers. So bands of ex-soldiers joined the fascist party, and they began to beat the shit out of socialists. They force-fed them castor oil to give them diarrhea, and they burned down their newspaper offices. Shit and fire, man. Shit and fire. It's my autobiography title. I'm sorry, mine was called Shitting Fire. <laughs> sorry, because of the, you know, the the chlamydia. Um, <clears throat> but chlamydia. <laughs> then the fascists threatened physical harm to anyone, but specifically the farmers in the countryside, if they work with the socialists. And of course, all of this was cheered on by Mussolini in his own fascist newspaper. This violence led to the election of Mussolini and 37 other fascists to the Chamber of Deputies in 1921. Hmm. I don't know. It seems more like an Antifa strategy. 
Yeah? From what I hear, you know, they're the anti-fascists are the ones that are more violent, you know? Yeah. They were there on January 6th. They were the ones that did all the insurrection stuff. You know, I actually heard that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It is interesting to me to be at this point in the story and read the story and realize how the fascists were a legitimate political party at this t- point in history. And now you call somebody a fascist and it's like an insult. You know, like you're taking away all my rights. You're a piece of shit. You know, stuff like that. Sure. Yeah, it's uh, it's crazy how one guy kind of ruined the whole reputation of this whole thing. It's just like, you can't be a Nazi. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering where you were going with that. <laughs> the following year, the fascists continued to burn down all of the socialist and communist offices and newspapers and beat and killed members of those parties while the police and military turned a blind eye. In June of 1922, the socialists called for a national strike of train drivers. Mussolini told the government they'd give them 48 hours to settle the strike before the fascists stepped in. Well, they didn't wait for more than a day before beating the shit out of every train driver they came across. (laughs) I'm doing my job! Please stop hitting me, sir! Oh no, you fucking commie motherfucker. Thomas the Train is just looking on in horror, but he can't get off the tracks to help. Just, oh, no. There's so much blood on my insides. Oh, <laughs> poor engineer. <laughs> they beat the shit out of George Carlin, who was the engineer narrator of that show back in the day. Oh, okay. Yeah. I did, you want to get did. on to me for fucking 20-year-old commercials? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Please continue. Well, those beatings worked, Greg. And the strike ended, and the trains ran on time. And that's all anybody gives a shit about. Gotta get where I'm going. Methadone clinic ain't gonna wait for me. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) In October, the fascists decided it was time to run Italy for realsies. They organized a march on Rome wearing their patented black shirts and insignias from the ancient Roman Empire. 30,000 fascists descended on Rome and demanded that King Victor Emmanuel place Mussolini in charge of a new government. The Prime Minister, Green Mario, a.k.a. Luigi, (laughs) facta, he begged the king to declare martial law and drive out all the insurrectionists, But the king thought there were 100,000 fascists and was also convinced his military would be on Mussolini's side, so he refused. I don't get it. I don't see how a leader could, like, see people committing insurrection, you know, like, trying to take over the government. He's like, no, I'm going to call, like, the National Guard or anything. Let's just see how this goes. He didn't want it to escalate. He uh, thought cooler heads could prevail. Yeah. He definitely, you know, didn't call for it, didn't give a speech saying, I'm going to be there with you, you know? And say, let's go hang the vice king. Yeah. <laughs> the vice king. <laughs> well, with Emmanuel's refusal to declare martial law, he went ahead and put Mussolini in charge. And just like that, at the age of 39, Benito Mussolini was the youngest prime minister in Italian history. And you know what? He had some big plans. For Black Friday shopping. (laughs) Roll that Elden Ring. 
Get ready for the most anticipated game of the year. An unmissable open-world masterpiece. Rated a perfect 10 out of 10 by GameSpot. Write your legend. Become the Elden Lord. Smash your head on the wall out of frustration before killing yourself in a subway bathroom. An intoxicating dream. Available February 25th. We're going to get a cease and desist, just like we did from fucking Subway. <laughs> uh, well, with that, I guess it's break time. I mean, we just played an ad, but anyway, I think that's a good place to take a break and uh, come back. Ad so free cool. break. Yeah. I'll have free. you know. Yeah, that's how we get you. You're like, oh, the ad's going to be in the break. Nope, sucker. No, listen to this podcast. They have ad free breaks. <laughs> <laughs> Stupids. All right. Well, let's take a break and we'll come back and Greg... We'll tell you the second half of this story. All right, we are back from break. On the break, I, like many of you, gave the old Elden Ring a try. And I now want to end my life because I realized I'm old and I can't be good at video games anymore. And that was the only thing I was ever really good at, so... It's over, man. This is it. Time to hang it up. That's why I do a history podcast. It's like, yeah, let's talk about the past when I was cool, when I could do something with my life, you know, before it all went to shit. I'm fucking fourth grade's a bitch. (laughs) got a single pube, and it was all downhill from there, man. Last 40 years of my life have been bullshit. You're a fucking lying ass. If you had a pube in fourth grade, you would have been the most popular kid in school. Yeah, I'm a man. What of it? (laughs) Hey, baby. Talking to the fourth grade teacher. Yeah. Yeah. I understand division. (laughs) How about we divide them eggs? Huh? I know how to divide you and your husband. Look at this thing. <laughs> Pulls out the one hair. <laughs> Why is it white and infected? I don't know <laughs> who I am. Just start crying. <laughs> and that's been about status quo ever since. Yes, that's been my adult life. And you know what? It's going to continue in the second half of this story. But before the second half of this story can continue, we have to do something else. A little something we like to call the second half seltzer. Second half seltzer. Second half seltzer. Second half seltzer. All right, and three, two, one, pop your taps. Mm, that tastes like suntan lotion. Okay. Yeah, no, it's it's delicious. That's good. Yeah, yeah. So, I'm going to be in a very festive, very happy mood. It's a Sonic Ocean Blue seltzer. I did not know they made those. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty good, man. It, it really does taste like suntan lotion. I can't give it a ringing endorsement right now. Okay. But, uh, An Elden you- ringing endorsement. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we got a long way to go and a short time to get there. So, we're going to... Load it up and truck it 
with our good friend, Greg, the main host. Greg, are you ready to tell these people this I'm story? I'm not your friend. I'm not your fucking friend. I said our good yes. friend. Yes. <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> Benito Mussolini was in power, and his first act as Prime Minister, Il Duce, was to immediately demand that the Chamber of Deputies give him emergency powers to form his own policies. Much like uh, Emperor Palpatine. That's exactly what I thought. Literally <laughs> Hitler. <laughs> but mostly Emperor Palpatine, because it's. Mo- yeah, mostly yeah, Palpatine. Yeah. yeah. More relatable to our audience. With a much more square jaw and a giant head that would completely fill out the hood that Palpatine wore. It, the hood would just be stretched. Yeah. And it would say juicy <laughs> on the back. <laughs> well,. If that didn't happen, he was just going to dissolve Parliament and hold new elections, which were sure to be won by his fascist buddies. They gave in, and Mussolini was effectively made dictator for a year. And uh, during that year, he spent it destroying unions and eliminating workers' rights. In 1924, a new series of elections were being held, and once again the fascists gained more seats in the Parliament. One of the socialist leaders, Giacomo Mattiati, got up to speak and denounced the violence used by the fascists to deter workers from voting for the Socialist Party. While the fascists screamed at him and tried to drown out his speech, he basically said, uh, Yeah, I know, saying this is gonna get me killed by Mussolini's secret police, uh, but it has to be said. Mussolini responded in his paper by saying, Hey, bro, I don't have any secret police. About a week later, Mussolini's secret police killed Mattiati. And you're just surprised fun of him. Surprise. <laughs> hey, here's a funny accent. This guy got murdered. His wife and child are listening to this podcast right fucking now. How do you feel about that? What do you mean, funny accent? <laughs> it's mine. I'm just trying to be authentic. Yeah. I applied it audible. Still waiting to hear about it. <laughs> I want to hear your your girl voice because that's how you get the audiobook narrator. Like, oh, and then he said, I want to have sex with you. And then she said, I want to have sex with you too. Well, see, it's not that. I'm actually an accomplished voice actor. So, <laughs> you know, I did get a strong rebuke on my trial reading of Uncle Tom's Cabin. <laughs> <laughs> Well, several of the murderers were arrested, but the longest sentence any of them would serve would be a little under two years. The killing of Mattiati emboldened the fascists, and they continued to violently attack the socialists while the liberals, conservatives, and even the Catholic Church clutched their pearls and ignored what was happening. With their newspapers destroyed, the socialists decided the best way to stop the fascists would be to kill Mussolini. On November 4th, 1925, a socialist deputy, basically a senator, decided he was going to snipe Mussolini as he gave a speech from his balcony. That man was betrayed by a friend and arrested, and he was given 30 years in prison. That's so crazy. Like picturing Ted Cruz climbing up on the clock tower with a rifle to take out Joe Biden. I mean, Ted Cruz would have to have a, you know, a spine and something he believed in strong enough to do that, but... um. You know, it is wild like, to think uh, about, though. Yeah, just a sitting somebody senator. that is the equivalent of a senator going to that length. 
Mm-hmm. And they don't even know the only way you kill Mussolini is to hit him with a turtle shell that's like flying r- rapidly at him. Oh, E2, Cruzini. That was the Mario dying sound. Sorry. On April 7th, 1926, a mentally unstable woman named Violet Gibson fired a shot at Mussolini and grazed his nose. How did she miss that giant head? That's that's what I want to know. Typical woman driver of bullets or something. Yeah, she did miss a very large target. And uh, due to her mental illness, Mussolini allowed her to be deported without being charged. Just five months later, however, a man was given 30 years after he threw a bomb at Mussolini's car that injured several bystanders. But... They were all fortunate when compared to young anarchist Anteo Zamboni, who was lynched, stabbed, and shot after firing a revolver at Mussolini's car, even though he missed. He had a penis, see? He had a penis, and he invented the thing that resurfaces ice for in-between hockey periods. Yeah, Mr. Mr. Zamboni, as many call him. Yeah, so they're like, no, this guy, he needs to take, be taken down a peg, so let's tear him apart. <laughs> You know, publicly. Next thing you know, he'll invent a, a dictator murder weapon. We can't have that. <laughs> yeah. He's trying to resurface our government. Are we just <laughs> let him do that shit? He's a Zamboni, not enough. <laughs> and, uh, you know, from an outsider perspective, all of this, it, you know, it would appear as if everyone loved Mussolini. That's because the government controlled all the newspapers and the Ministry of Education demanded that fascism be taught in schools. Six-year-olds learned to write by jotting down sentences like, Long live our chief, Benito Mussolini, and down with the Russia. (laughs) But don't get it twisted. For the most part, the Italians actually did love him. Even the women, who hung up Mussolini calendars in their kitchens, despite the laws he passed preventing them from voting and outlawing abortions. At this point in time, it's important to remember... Uh, how much the world hated communism, and they were terrified of it spreading, especially with what was going on in Russia. So, since he was so strong against communism and socialism, basically everybody like turned a blind eye to what he was doing. He was like, yeah, hey, you know what? It's better than having a communist in charge, am I right? <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. Better dead than red. Yeah, they saw what happened to Russia in World War One, and they're like, all right. Fuck no. <laughs> Yeah, no, we're not letting that shit happen. No, 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 no. no, no. And, you know, just to reinforce it, Mussolini was internationally appreciated, and that continued throughout the 1920s, and he gained admirers such as Winston Churchill and pretty much every British diplomat he met. Another big Mussolini fan was uh, one certain Adolf Hitler. Never heard of her. Well, he wrote letters to Benito, which went largely ignored because Mussolini, he didn't like Hitler. Turns out he didn't care for Hitler's anti-Semitism or Hitler's plan for annexing Austria. But when uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Adolf Hitler himself came to power in 1933, Mussolini knew he'd have to start taking him a little more seriously. That year, the German vice-chancellor, Franz von Papen, came to Rome and suggested a meeting between Mussolini and Hitler. Franz von Papenlock, inventor of the hip-hop dance. Oh, yeah, the smoothest of Germans. Oh, the smoothest. So good. 
Zilky smooth. <laughs> but as far as the meeting, Mussolini said he'd think about it. That meeting didn't happen until the next year, 1934. Hitler thought it went great. Mussolini thought Hitler talked too much, and instead of focusing on how to solve real-world problems, Hitler kind of spent the whole time quoting his book, Mein Kampf. <laughs> Let me tell you about this really good book I've read recently, written by, I don't know, myself, Hitler. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Here's what Hitler had to say about what happened, and uh, how that might help you a little bit. It's like, oh God, it's like talking to fucking Oprah. Jesus Christ, she just keeps talking about being Oprah and how easy it is to be Oprah, but she's already a billionaire. I don't, like, this does not help me on my day-to-day life and my struggles. I didn't even get a free car. This is stupid. Um, But Chris, you're more of an expert on the subject than me. Um, Uh Uh-oh. What part of Mein Kampf do you think he might have quoted? Do you mind pulling out your autographed copy? For the listener? Um, you know, we don't have to You don't time have to, to get, get the one in the dust cover, just the, the, the daily <laughs> one. The daily autograph copy. The one that has all the highlights in it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so many like little posty bookmark thingies, post it like, bookmarks. It's like I used to spend the night with my grandparents and then each morning my grandfather would open up the Bible to wherever he was left off and had the ribbon there. He's like, okay, we're going to read this passage today while I take my vitamins and you guys eat your unflavored toast. That's what I do with my family. Gather around, children. It's time for page 222 of Mein Kampf. (laughs) (laughs) Where the sad man blames everybody but himself. (laughs) It's called my struggle, okay? Not my successes, you know? (laughs) Fair enough. Wait, no. No, fuck my <laughs> no, no, like, Fair oh, enough. Yes, that's a good point. <laughs> yes, no. you nailed it. <laughs> I feel like I'm that German soldier in Saving Private Ryan where he gets caught and he's like, fuck Hitler. Fuck Hitler. <laughs> yes, but this but time actually, we're not gonna... fuck Hitler. Yeah, but this time we're not going to let you go because if we do, we know you're going to kill Tom Hanks. We see this coming. That little son of a bitch. <laughs> All right, well, Chris's bookshelf aside, you know, Mein Kampf, <laughs> Turner Diaries, Anarchist Cookbook. To the FBI agent listening right now, it is all research for the show. It's not real. Please don't ask my friend's family what I've been seeing at Thanksgiving. Okay, continue, Greg. See, this show is just a cover for your actual life. <laughs> it's a lot of work just to cover up. Yeah, you got to see what works. You know, see what doesn't work out. <laughs> In February of 1934... Mussolini decided it was time for Italy to build an African empire, just as Britain and France had done, and just as his ancient ancestors, the Romans, had done. His target was basically the only unclaimed piece of territory in eastern Africa, Ethiopia. He figured the Brits and the French wouldn't care. The French really didn't, and signed an agreement to ignore whatever Italy was doing in Africa, as long as Italy helped France fight wars in Europe. The English, however were strongly against the idea. Turns out they were big believers in the League of Nations and the whole no nation should impose on another nation's sovereignty thing. Yep, as famously said by Englishman Woodrow Wilson. But it was an Englishman quoting him. <laughs> oh, gotcha. Okay, it was me enough. quoting an Englishman quoting him. <laughs> okay. Dude, I can't just give it to the Italians and not give it to the English, all right? That's true. I gotta get in where I fit in here, all right? 
Otherwise, people will accuse me of being anti-Italian, and I'm certainly not. That's right. You love the Italians. They put some sanctions on Italy, but only on small things, and ignored the big imports and exports of coal, oil, and spaghetti. Oh, okay, Mr. I love Italy. <laughs> okay. There you go. Fucking slandering them with their, you know, like, oh, look at these guys. They need oil. <laughs> like, olive mm-hmm. oil. I get it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, you're Baguette. So cool. Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah, that too. Fuck. Well, so, in October of 1935, Italy declared war on Ethiopia and began a brutal bombing campaign. The ground campaign soon stalled, and the government began to run out of gold. In response, Mussolini replaced the top general with one who could actually get the job done. And by get the job done, I mean, you know, he he authorized the bombing of hospitals and the use of mustard gas, which the Ethiopians were completely defenseless against. Yes, Greg, and little known fact... The Ethiopians didn't have a lot of allies, but they did have one secret buddy. Greg's hero, the great Adolf Hitler, as he calls him. No, no, no. (laughs) Believing that a long war between Italy and Ethiopia would weaken Italy's alliance with England, Hitler sent thousands of weapons to the Ethiopian forces. I'm so glad you're not reading points right now. That little known fact really took it out of you. (laughs) <laughs> it killed me, man. You were struggling. <laughs> I just... It's, it's like post-jizz. I'm like, oh, I don't even want to... I don't even know how to feel sexy or do sexy things anymore. I just don't care. I feel so I don't gross care. right now. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to shower. There's so much blood. My clown costume. <laughs> All wrapped up in these goddamn birthday balloons. They don't get off me. <laughs> Well, the League of Nations looked on disapprovingly and did almost nothing to stop the war over the following two years. On May 5th, 1937, Mussolini declared victory over the Ethiopians and celebrated the establishment of an Italian empire. To introduce himself to his new subjects, he created a series of super racist laws. He made it punishable by five years in prison for any Italian to have sex with an Ethiopian. He built new roads in the capital and made it illegal for Ethiopians to walk down them. And any Ethiopians who dared to defy the Italians were rounded up and sent on forced marches to internment camps where they died of disease and starvation. And just a small reminder for our listeners here, if you kind of drifted off a little bit. uh, When Mussolini's guys killed the opposing socialist leader, they got less than two years. When... A couple people tried to kill Mussolini and didn't even come close. They got 30 years, and now it's five years to have sex with somebody from Ethiopia. It's like, it kind of feels like a double standard. I don't know. I just feel like this guy's like, he, he doesn't believe One in of them just equality. got deported. Yeah. Well, they tried to the, kill him. The crazy chick, yeah. But, you know, that's probably because he wanted a banger because he liked to F around a little bit. He was a philanderer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was just pointing out, how there may be a little bit of, I don't know, double standard here. Like how this guy, like, you defy me, you get sent to prison for a long time, you know, but I do some fucked up shit. It's like, eh, let's just ignore that. Ah, yes, the amalgamous anyone in power. 
I see what you mean, Chris. It's the first time in history this has happened, Greg. Excellent okay. point. <laughs> Document this right now, listener. Immediately after the Italian victory in Ethiopia, the Spanish fell into a civil war. On one side were the socialists and liberals. On the other was the fascists led by General Francisco Franco. The Spanish Civil War is probably its own show, to be honest. So just know that Mussolini and Hitler both sent supplies and soldiers to support Franco, and this drew the two men together and led to the creation of an Italian-German alliance. And now we have guy love between Mussolini and Hitler. Germany had already left the League of Nations. Italy soon followed suit. Hitler's only gripe with Mussolini was that he wasn't quite anti-Semitic enough. He wasn't anti-Semitic at all at this point. Right. You know, as we said earlier, that was a big hang-up for Mussolini was Hitler's anti-Semitism. He didn't have a problem with the Jews. No, because Italy, most of the people got along with the Jews. Most of the Jews lived up in the northern regions. And they were, you know, there was no anti-Semitism in Italy at this point in history. So, yeah, the way the populace went is the way Mussolini went. It's like, they're not pissed at him. Why would I be? I don't care. Yeah. Almost like they're normal people. Yep. Yeah. It's weird. It's crazy. But Hitler really leaned on Mussolini, so to speak. And so Benito said, no problem, and passed a series of laws that said that all foreign-born Jews had to leave Italy and no Italian could marry a Jew, and Jews couldn't be teachers. Despite their best friendship and alliance, the two didn't really talk about plans much. I feel the same. Like, when I showed up today and Greg's like, we're taking a month off. I'm like, what? Yeah, bitch. I gotta hang out with my family? God damn it, Greg. The restraining order just got renewed. I just bought a new de-louser from my boarding home, and you're like, oh, you gotta take a month off. Fuck, what am I going to do with my time? That's what you don't understand, listeners. We do this over internet video. Mm -hmm. COVID really changed things. Yep. You know, it it allowed us to get outside the office, and then we realize, hey, we don't need the office anymore. Yep. So now we do this over the computer. But I still have to basically project violence. So when he's like, oh, I don't want to do I slapped my webcam so hard, and it took me like, 30 minutes to, like, get it, rewire it, like, route it to the <laughs> top of the monitor. It was a huge pain in the ass, but... Yeah. Sometimes you gotta... Sometimes you gotta slap bitch. It was COVID in the ankle monitor that said I couldn't record in the studio anymore, but mostly COVID. You're right. Yeah. I do feel it, like, inside my bones when you slap the webcam. I'm like, okay, yes, daddy. I guess I'll just sit here for the next month and, uh... Play some Elden Ring. Mm, what a game. What a game. Well, Hitler didn't tell Mussolini that he was going to invade Czechoslovakia, and Mussolini didn't tell Hitler he was going to capture Albania. All those kids with pale white skin and red eyes, those creepy motherfuckers. Those Albanians. Hmm. Albanism joke. Another ableist joke by Chris, everyone. <laughs> Another ableist joke. Anyway. Oh, no. We just lost our one listener, but it wasn't because of my joke. It's because 
a sun ray hit him while he's listening in the park and he had to scramble inside and lost his earbuds. Unbelievable. Let's Thank all you. cancel Chris. Let's keep me <laughs> as part of the show and per the contract. I'm then given the ability to unilaterally cancel this shit. So cancel him. I'll cancel this. Everybody wins. Do all of them have the same magical powers as powder? Because if so, I would take back my comments. No, they're more like cotton. Oh, okay. For me, myself, and Irene. <laughs> yeah. In June of 1939, when Hitler decided he was going to invade Poland in the fall, he once again left Mussolini in the dark. So when the war first broke out, Mussolini adopted a policy of non-belligerency, which basically just meant that Italy wouldn't take part militarily in any foreign war. While the Brits were blasting anti-German propaganda, they left the Italian fascists alone because they were worried about upsetting Mussolini. But they went ahead and put a blockade around Germany, which is where Italy got most of their coal from. After the invasion of Poland, there was an eight-month period where not much happened, known as the Phony War, in which Mussolini finally said that he would have to join forces with Germany. And, you know, for those listeners wondering, like, why is it called the Phony War? Well, it's because France and England had this pact uh, where they told Poland and Germany both, and like, hey, if you invade Poland, we're at war and we're going to attack you. Well, as a lot of you know, Germany did invade Poland, as did the USSR, and uh, nothing happened yeah. for a good, solid, like, eight-ish months outside of one very, very small skirmish. And so, basically, it meant their word was shit because they didn't do a goddamn thing after Poland got completely, I'm going to watch my language here, but <laughs> um, And not only was Italy joining Germany because of the coal, they could have gotten coal from other countries. Um, they also wanted the Rock of Gibraltar. They wanted to control the Mediterranean, and Britain controlled most of those areas at that time in history. So they said, okay. Let's join up with Germany. That way, if Germany wins the war, we have the Mediterranean when the war is over and we can control our own empire. So there was a there was kind of like a two pronged attack thing for Italy going on at that time. Yeah. One for the butt and one for the clitoris. Yeah. Two pronged. <laughs> Mussolini's initial thought was that Italy wasn't ready for war and wouldn't be until somewhere around 1942. But that was cool, because there was no way Hitler could seriously threaten Paris, right? Hitler immediately stormed through Belgium and into France. Uh-oh. Mussolini scrambled to join the war and invade France from the south. Italy officially declared war on June 10, 1940, and within a week, the Germans, with just the slightest bit of Italian aid had overthrown the entire French government. And we're talking like, what was it? It's something like over 2 million soldiers. Yeah. Which is insane. Yeah, he threw it in there. Um, I, might, I might be wrong on that number, but it's, no. some, it's something fucking ludicrous, the amount of soldiers they had. Yeah. Yeah, no, they had a ton of soldiers. They were super excited about the war, but it's hilarious that basically Hitler took France at this point. And Italy kind of like, hey, we're here too, like runs up yeah. and high fives them as they punch the guy out, you know, at a bar fight. Mm -hmm. um, and then after that, you know, the, the Vichy government is formed and 
there's another show on that coming, I'm sure, involving the, the fake France government, Marshal Philippe Patton, who was a World War I hero, all that crap. But Italy's like, hey, can we have these parts of France now? And Hitler's like, oh, we'll talk about that after the war. Just shh, shh. We'll settle that yeah. later. Let the dust settle, Moosey. Yeah, come on, baby. We got a long way to go. You know, there's going to be a lot of territory to divide up. You know, just let's let's talk about that. Chill out, Moose Knuckle. We got this. Let's <laughs> give him all these nicknames. Yeah. It's like, wait, I thought I was your idol, and now you're treating me like the little brother. It's like, well, Come on, it's... chocolate moose. Give me some. Give me some. That's a little dap. We got this. Let's worry about this later. Like the five nicknames you just gave him in the 30 seconds. That was fantastic. Thank you. Well, initially, Italy served as support to the Germans by doing things like providing aircraft and pilots to bomb London. But in October, Italy invaded Greece. It went pretty fucking terrible. First, bad weather slowed their advance. Then, all the Albanians who had been conquered a year earlier defected at the Greek side. And then, the sweet, innocent, blonde teenager girl from Australia decided she needed to be a little more slutty. And she started dressing in leather and smoking cigarettes and stuff so she could land the, you know, the dumb jock greaser who had put together his own hot rod and stuff. But he had fallen in love with her during the summer, but he couldn't admit it to his friends because it wasn't cool enough. That happened. So you're getting on to me for 20, 30-year references. And you're referencing Grease, <laughs> the movie musical. Yeah, it's timeless. Well, that come out like 70s, mid-70s? Late 70s, early 80s. But it is timeless, just like John Travolta's heterosexuality. Oh, well then. Well, again, the Albanians had, uh, they joined the Greek side. On November 22nd of that year, Mussolini had to write a letter to Daddy Hitler, telling him that the Italians had kind of fucked the dog. Or, more colloquially... Screwed the pooch. Things weren't going any better in northern Africa. The Italians had tried to launch an offensive from Libya into British-controlled Egypt, and they had failed. Then the Brits started pushing in their poo, and Mussolini once again had to ask Mr. Serious Daddy Hitler to come help him. The Germans came to his rescue and defeated the Greeks, and General Irvin Rommel forced the British back. Mr. Desert Fox for all of the uninitiated. Yeah, maybe there's a show there too. Who knows? For the the Northern Africa campaign. Maybe we're teasing something with a little, little German tickler. <laughs> That's what they call it. At this time in history, they did. <laughs> sure, shit didn't call it the Vichy France tickler. That's what I'm saying. Fucking surrenders. <laughs> that is true. I'll call it the Freedom Fries Tickler myself. <laughs> what? That doesn't even fucking make sense. Where did French Don't fries come from? It. Don't worry about it. Well, I like to use the grease to look. You know what? We'll talk about it later. <laughs> Things got worse for Mussolini and the Germans in 1941 when Hitler decided to invade Russia. Throughout the year, the Germans made progress, but eventually stalled. Then America joined the Allies. So... In 1942, a joint British and American force drove Rommel out of North Africa. When he retreated, Rommel stole all the Italian vehicles for his, quote, 
superior German troops and left the Italians to basically be taken prisoner by the fucking thousands. <laughs> It's hilarious to me. I don't know. Like, it's the ridiculous. Immediate betrayal. Like, fucking see. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this was a relationship of convenience. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's like, oh, this relationship's over. I'm taking your fucking you go. We're all, me and my boyfriend are hopping it and drive away. Like, what the fuck? I'm left at this truck stop by myself. Come on, man. <laughs> Mussolini had committed the one sin that violent dictators weren't allowed to commit. He was losing a war. In June of 1942, Rome was bombed and the politicians decided enough was enough. While Mussolini was off talking to Hitler, they decided it was time to replace him. When he returned to Italy, he was removed from power and he was arrested. The Italians set up a new government, which immediately signed an armistice with the Allies. But the Germans weren't done with Italy yet. They sent tons of troops to hold the northern part of the country, and on September 12, 1942, they landed paratroopers around Mussolini's poorly guarded prison, and they freed him. He and his wife Rochelle were flown to Munich, where Rochelle met Hitler and considered him to be a sweet man who had freed her husband. <laughs> she didn't... I don't know if she knew, but uh, she's like, oh, he's such a nice guy. He doesn't smoke. He doesn't drink. He loves his dogs. He has a very nice girlfriend named Ava. He freed me and my husband from oppression. A swell guy, right? Just the sweetest fella. You know, he sent us a Christmas card last year. Had him in a, in a little sweater in front of the fire. It was It was so adorable. Little dog blondie next to him. Mm-hmm. What a guy, right? What a sweet guy. Mussolini was soon taken right back to northern Italy, where the Germans installed him as leader of the puppet Italian Social Republic government. Once there, Mussolini went full anti-Semite and agreed to allow the Germans to deport Italian Jews to the death camps in Poland. Up until that point, he had not allowed the Italian Jews to be deported. But at this point, he gave away to the demand of the Nazis who were in control. And it's kind of a, a prevailing theme of his life, where it's whatever the popular sentiment is, that's what he's going to do to make everybody happy. It's kind of strange, though, because, you know, he was a socialist who converted to fascism, and then he got deposed by socialists to become a fascist, and then... He got deposed by the fascists, so he kind of became a socialist again and began talking about the bourgeois and the king and how everybody should have equal rights and stuff on all of these speeches. And so it was kind of like he just went back and forth to whatever he thought would gain him the most popularity. Yeah, I feel like that's one of those things, just learning the story, it just jumps out as obvious before it's really spelled out for you is just... This dude's going with the flow, like, he's going to go between those waves to fit in where he needs to, to rise to power. Yeah. and like, that, that, Whatever's going to get him on top, he's doing it. Yeah, and that was the crazy thing, learning about this, because honestly, I didn't know a ton about Mussolini before he started researching, and it kind of was like, I thought he was dedicated to fascism. Like, you guys will follow me until the bitter end, and then when it you're about to tell the bitter end... Like, okay, that's just how it worked out for him. 
You know, I didn't think it was, I just wanted to be loved kind of thing. Over the following couple of years, the Germans held out in the north of Italy while Mussolini gave speeches, pretended like he had power, and then got mad when he could do nothing about the Germans killing Italian citizens. In 1944, he was still taking comfort that the Americans were stalled south of Rome, and he didn't think they could succeed in crossing the English Channel. Well, they captured Rome on June 5th and invaded France the following day. By 1945, Germany was on the edge of defeat, and it looked hopeless for Mussolini. On April 27th, he joined a convoy of 200 German soldiers who were trying to escape to Switzerland. As they neared Lake Como, they were caught and captured by Italian rebels. Also captured was Claretta Pitacci, who was Mussolini's longtime mistress, and who had insisted on following the convoy in her Alfa Romeo luxury car because she loved Mussolini too much to be apart from him. The following day, Mussolini and Patacci were led to a crossroads and summarily executed under the orders of a communist rebel leader. Their bodies were taken to Milan, where they were hung upside down on an iron fence, where they were beaten and spat upon. Hey, their world was turned upside down. I, I put that in the intro, and now we're here. So it this makes is sense. the payoff. Yes, it was this worth is the it. payoff from the intro. Yes. Oh my God. You are I just welcome, listener. Orgasmed. Oh. Oh. Just, yeah. Nice. Well, you go clean up. I'll I'll finish this. Okay. The founder of fascism was dead, and his legacy was that of a failure who could never really decide which side of the fence he was on. <laughs> Iron fence. Boom. Call back. <laughs> Other joke. Yes. <laughs> If only he listened to this show, he would have known the effects that playing both sides has on a person's life. That's a, uh, that's a bisexual joke. Yes! End of story! Woo! We did it! Told the story of Benito Mussolini. But I feel like maybe there's just a few things you don't know, a few things you need to know, and we like to call those things... The Fast Facts. Fast Fact number one. As communism was spreading throughout Russia and the rest of the world was freaking out about it, the common theme was to blame the whole thing on the Jewish people. Mussolini did this in his newspaper until he was politely asked by his Jewish financial backers to knock it the fuck off. In typical Mussolini fashion, he did a complete 180 and said the Jews had nothing to do with the spread of Bolshevism. Fast fact number two. Mussolini's baby mama, Ida Densler, remained a thorn in his side until 1926, when Mussolini's secret police had her thrown in a mental hospital. She escaped, but was recaptured and died inside the asylum in 1937. Her son, Benito Jr., never met his father, but later in life he mysteriously disappeared, and it's speculated that he too was thrown in a mental institution by the secret police and died there in 1942. Fast fact number three. During his reign as prime minister, Mussolini banned abortion due to a falling Italian birth rate. Well, it turns out in 1940, his mistress Claretta Patacci became seriously ill with an ailment known as peritonitis. Official records say that it was caused by a miscarriage but that is incredibly unlikely, and 
the most probable cause was an illegal abortion. Fast Fact Number 4 Despite his hatred of communism, Joseph Stalin was not Mussolini's most hated foreign leader. Nor was it Winston Churchill or Charles de Gaulle. No, Mussolini had a deep, passionate hatred for Franklin Roosevelt because Roosevelt was handicapped and allowed black soldiers to fight in his army. Mussolini celebrated Roosevelt's death in 1945. All right, we thank you guys for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. Again, we will be back with a full regular episode in a month. In the meantime, we'll release a little bit of tidbits, you know, some small things for you guys. Keep you on the edge of your seat waiting for some new stuff. In the meantime, you can check us out at hunterproofhistory.com. There you'll find a little bit of bio information. You'll also find a link to our Patreon, where for just $3 a month, you get access to new episodes early. You get a bunch of old stuff that regular people, they have no access to. You know, you get the old episodes, the hangovers. It's really good stuff, so check it out. And also, please check us out on social media at 100ProofHistory, where you post memes and stuff related to the story that you won't find anywhere else. We thank you for listening again. I love you so much. For our esteemed invalid producer, Wolf Dick, for Dan Dan, the intro man, I am your sexiest of co-hosts, Christopher, and I ask, once again and for always, main host, best host, just glorious God Emperor host, Gregory, what else? Hey, baby, you made it this far. Why don't you go a little further? Mmm. I've noticed. You know, I look at the analytics of these episodes, and I see a lot of people fall off. Uh, honestly, about two minutes ago. But <laughs> there are some people that make it to here, and then they start hearing that outro music, and they check out. I want you to know, baby. Mm, I want you to know. We got stuff after the episode for you. We got bloopers. We got very compromising personal bloopers for you. (laughs) We just want to turn you on, baby. So when this episode ends, when you hear that outro music fade, it's party time. You'll hear that party horn, baby. Mm, Just call me. Touch that nipple and then call me. I'll I'll be there. Goodbye. Bye. And uh, from that would come, allegedly, a lifelong fear. Would come? What is that when trees fuck? (laughs) That's called sap, sir. Oh, sorry. (laughs) Have you seen the latest Kid Rock news? No. Mark. Um, He came out, he was interviewed by Tucker yesterday. Old mm-hmm. dumb Tucker, and he revealed that like on a visit to the White House, Trump's like, "So, what do you think we should do about North Korea?" And he's like showing him maps and shit. And even Kid Rock's like, "I don't think I'm qualified to be a part of this meeting right now." <laughs> he's just flexing on him. I just thought it was funny. I was like, "God damn!" He wasn't gonna take his opinion. He's just like, "Hey, okay, this is the decision that I make, bitch." Yeah. What do you think, stupid? Kid Rock, yeah. not like nice flexing on, him. not like oh god, 
People are asking a lot of questions. What do I do? So what do you I... think? <laughs> like, you know, just pretend you're president for a day. Yeah. <laughs> no, please, please pretend you're president for a day. <laughs> I don't know what Bob What to Bob means. <laughs> Put down the guitar. Tell me what you would do. So when you say bomb, bomb with the bombs, and is that what I'm supposed to do to North Korea? That's not what I said, Mr. President. It's not what that, no, not bomb with the bombs. It was bomb with the bomb. Well, anyway, but, but just thanks for coming by, Mr. Rock. <laughs> My name is Kid. <laughs> you know, he doesn't like being close. Mr. Rock is his dad. That's true. <laughs> his dad, who owns several car dealerships in Detroit, fucking rich as motherfucker. Straight out the trailer. What he meant was I was straight out of the trailer, the fifth wheel that my dad pulled in his luxury truck. Yes. The F-350 <laughs> Lariat edition. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Stupid Mike. <clears throat> Bet you won't say that to Mike Tyson's face. What did I say? Stupid Mike. <laughs> so, God damn it. <laughs> Just go so, up to him and be like, Sup, stupid bike? <laughs> <laughs> What'd you say to me? Wow, I bet you won't fucking do that impression of Mike Tyson's face. <laughs> I won't. I thought it was spot on. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> For most of his life, Mussolini was more of a talk. Did I say that weird? For roast of his <laughs> life. Roast of his life. Mmm. Fuck mm, Wow. <laughs> Didn't know pepperoncinis would make such a big deal to a beef roast. It's excellent. <laughs> it's a roast of my life. <laughs> Got a Mississippi pot roast last night. It was pretty good. Pepperoncinis. Fucking Italian man. So good. Topical meals. Start a new <laughs> podcast. Okay. Topical meals. Uh, based on topics we pick. <laughs> okay. Yes. <laughs> that should be our, our Patreon exclusive. Like, okay, we have food related to the thing we talked about this week. We talked about a Mexican. Today, we'll be doing old El Paso tacos. <laughs> yeah. Let's keep it authentic. Taco Bell tacos only, please. Ooh, nachos yeah. grande. Yeah, gordito crunch. Hi! <laughs> Did it. Did Clap it. for me, daddy. Thank you. <laughs>